gentlemen, welcome aboard the Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait. Clearly it's not good enough. Ever since that Tennessee game, it just hasn't been good enough. Atlanta, we played all right, but um, uh, ever since that bye week, just not nearly as good as we wanted to be. And it's something that we've obviously we've got eight games left, and uh, from coaches to players, we got to find a way to get better every day. Or, uh, otherwise, you're you're selling yourself short. Selling yourself short and maybe putting yourself squarely on the hot seat entering 2022. This episode of Can't Wait is presented by BetMGM, the exclusive betting partner of the Athletic. Sign up at BetMGM.com using the promo code The Athletic Pod. It is. Uh, what is it? It is Monday, November 15th. We're coming to you at 5.30 p.m. This is like happy hour edition of the Can't Wait podcast. Thanks for joining us. If you uh, like what you hear, give us a five-star review. Tim McMaster here along with Connor Hughes and Marissa Morris. Another game, another embarrassing blowout loss for the Jets. 45-17 to the Bills. That comes after 45 points to the Colts, 31 to the Bengals, 53 to the Patriots. That is a bad month of defense, and the offense wasn't good either. Uh, Mike White turns back into a pumpkin, basically four interceptions, 33.4% quarterback rating. Uh, You know, we'll always have the Bengals game. Connor, we no longer have a quarterback controversy. No, none, actually. And and I'll be honest with you. I think that this quarterback situation uh, probably worked out in the second best situation that the Jets could have ever hoped for. I mean, obviously, number one would have been that Mike White's a franchise quarterback. Zach Wilson's a franchise quarterback. And the Jets can trade one for a slew of draft picks and then go on and and somehow have this embarrassment of riches of more draft picks because somehow they managed to find Mike White and they drafted Zach Wilson and everything's all great and dandy and fine and dandy in, in Jets land. Now, obviously, that is not necessarily the case, but you've got the next best thing, which is that you learned very early on that Mike White is not the answer. And and the one thing that we talked so much about over the last couple of weeks is that the Jets needed to ride this wave until it crashed. The Jets needed to see how this one played out. They needed to ride the hot hand at quarterback. They could not bench Mike White off of a good performance. They couldn't yank him from the starting lineup if he was continuing to play well and continue to play very well because they'd lose the locker room. You'd create all of this disastrous headlines and storylines of as soon as you know Zach starts to struggle, people are screaming and clamoring for Mike White. It was just going to be a disaster of epic proportions if they took Mike White out of the lineup when he was still playing very, very well. So what did they do? They said, you know what? We're going to ride with Mike White. We're going to see what this goes. And it's a short leash. It's a tight leash. The hook's ready to yank him out. And once he struggles, we will. We're going to wait to see if he struggles. So what happens? He goes out against the Buffalo Bills, a pretty good defense, and honestly reminded me very much of when Lynn Sanity was at its hype and its heyday. And then the Knicks ran into the LeBron James, Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, and the Miami Heat. And Lynn Sanity died that night. I can't remember if the game was in Miami or if the game was in New York, but I remember talking and hearing it all week about, yeah, Lynn Sanity going up against the Heat. Lynn Sanity, Lynn Sanity. And LeBron James was basically like, okay, we're done with Lynn Sanity. It's over. Josh Allen, Sean McDermott, the Buffalo Bills, Tredavious White. They were like, yeah, Mike White, Sanity. It's over. It's done. We're moving on with it. And you had... We've seen some bad quarterbacking performances. This was and officially ended as the worst quarterbacking performance we've seen. The four interceptions, three of them really, really bad. The second one, the worst of the bunch, a 33-point-something quarterback rating. The Jets allowed this to play out organically, as Robert Sala said. Mike White had the flash. He had the brilliance. He had the excitement for for two weeks. He gave us storylines and fun and had his name chanted. 
But he, as you said, turned back into the pumpkin. He regressed to the mean. And now the Jets get their perfect situation because now Zach Wilson is going to, assuming he is healthy, go back out there against the Miami Dolphins. He's going to go out there and he's going to play quarterback. And there's not going to be any more clamoring for Mike White. There's not going to be any cries for Mike White. No one in the locker room is going to be saying, no, we want Mike White. We Mike White. We want Mike White because they saw what Mike White did against the Bills. They're like, okay, fun while it lasted. Now let's get back to the your, your regularly scheduled programming, which is let's develop Zach Wilson. Yeah, absolutely. He made mistakes that he hadn't mis- made too before, forcing balls downfield, uh, the interception. Uh, he didn't get helped out much in this game either. The The delay of game on fourth and one stands out to me at an early part in the game when things weren't out of control yet, right? That was a point where if they if they get that first down and drive down, then, then maybe there's something going. But this one was never really going to be close, but you would have hoped that it would have been closer than it actually was. Just another blowout. So Connor, I guess I'll say this. You you said this worked out perfectly for the Jets because they can put Zach Wilson back in, which is, yeah, 45-17 to loss. Perfect for the way this Jets team is is going. But what if Zach Wilson isn't healthy for this week? Is that still a possibility? It's eh, I don't think so. I, I now I saw as obviously I saw someone in the chat say they like me better when I wear my hat backwards, but my hair is all I went to I haven't showered since I got home from the gym. So my hair is all like disgusting and matty and it's, it's not, it's not, I I can't be a backwards hat kind of guy today. Like it's, it's pretty, it's pretty grotesque. I'll be honest. I'm greasy. I'm gross. I'm glad this isn't high definition because I would be embarrassed to show my face. Yeah. Not smell of vision, not high definition. I got to jump in the shower right after this, but um, no, like I, I think that, I think that honestly, if Zach Wilson was a three year veteran, if Zach Wilson was a proven quarterback, if he was the jets unquestioned franchise quarterback, I think that you had a very, very real chance of him playing against the Buffalo Bills. I think they had the opportunity to start him. I mean, he went through an entire week of practice. He went through a rigorous pregame warmup. I mean, the knee isn't 100%. There's still not things he can do perfectly, but he's not going to hurt it worse. He's not going to get worse playing on it. He could have started against the Bills. This was a situation like Salah kind of told us during the week, and he talked about in length on Wednesday, is that he had an obligation to stick with Mike White until Mike White did something that warranted his removal from the starting lineup. And what that was, was what we saw. The four interceptions, the the sputtering on the offense, the Buffalo Bills taking away the short passing game, telling him to go deep. And when Mike White tried to go deep, it just did not work out. And like Salah said, this was always going to work itself out organically. Obviously, the perfect situation, like we just said, would have been Mike White's a franchise quarterback, Zach Wilson's a franchise quarterback, you flip one for an abundance of draft picks, and then you roll with the other. Obviously, that didn't happen, so now what they can do is they can go back to Zach Wilson, and they can go back to him, they can ride him throughout the rest of the season with no one clamoring for Mike White, no one wanting Mike White, except for maybe Mike White and his family. Everyone else is going to just want to see Zach Wilson, they're going to be fine with the ebbs, they're going to be fine with the flows, they're going to want to see this thing go up and down, and just hopefully week after week, day after day, see something better. Now, I don't think Zach Wilson, if he plays against the Dolphins, is going to be 100%. I don't think you might not see 100% Zach Wilson for another month or so. But this is a situation now where I think you can put him back out there. And if you're going to put him back out there, these next couple games are the ones that you want to put him up against. Because the Miami Dolphins, I know they've got some talent on defense, but that's a bad football team. The Houston Texans the next week, that's another bad football team. If you're looking for a get-right game, and I know there's no such thing as a get-right game when you're the Jets and you're 2-7 and, and you're a disaster, 
But this is at least two defenses where you're not playing the Buffalo Bills like Mike White just saw. I mean, Mike White saw one of the above average pass rushes in the NFL. Mike White saw one of the top tier secondaries. He saw a team that isn't one of the best in the AFC. He saw a team that some people believe has a chance to win the Super Bowl this year. I mean, this is an elite level football team. And then the rebuilding Jets. And he got his butt kicked in in ways that you kind of thought might have happened. And and like you said, a crash landing back to earth in Hindenburg-like fashion for Mike White and Mike White's sanity. But now at least you got a chance to go back to Zach. So is he fully healthy? I mean, what did Salah? We talked to him today and he said he's been um, digesting everything else. I think it was the word that he used. So he hasn't even thought about the quarterback situation yet. He said he's going to think about it today. He'll think about it tomorrow. He'll see Zach Wilson in the trainer's room and get the re- the report from the doctors and then tell us what he's going to do on Wednesday. But no, I, it, I would I would put all of my eggs. Maybe I'd leave one out just in case I get hungry. But basically, all of my eggs are going to go in the basket of it's not Josh Johnson against Miami. It's not Mike White against Miami. It's not Joe Flacco against Miami. It's going to be Zach Wilson against Miami. It's going to be Zach Wilson the rest of the year as long as he stays healthy. One more Mike White thing, and then we probably won't talk about him again this season, maybe ever. Who knows? That's the way it goes when you're a backup quarterback in the NFL. No, because you know um, Zach's but- going to get hurt again, and then he's going you know, <laughs> to. Something will happen. You know, it's going to happen. Is, is Zach's going to start this game? He's going to like stub his toe, have to leave, and Mike White's going to go up against the Dolphins there for 400 and another four right. touchdowns and bring this all right again. on back. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. But seriously, I mean, the Bills game aside, because they are the best defense in the NFL. I think the other thing that the Jets learned from this whole three-week thing with Mike White and and Zach Wilson being hurt is that while Mike White is not a franchise quarterback, he seems like he's pretty good backup NFL quarterback. And and they have that guy when, you know, we didn't know if they actually had that guy on the roster. Now I think we do. Yeah, look, I mean, I don't. Yes, I think that's probably the perfect the perfect way to sum it up. And he's cheap. He's not expensive. And and I think he is the player now also that. Look, you're not going to flip them this offseason for the massive cash of draft picks. No one's going to look at what Mike White did for two series against the Colts, that game against the Bengals, and then the disaster that happened against the Buffalo Bills and say, like, this guy's got franchise quarterback potential. But what he now is, is he is somebody who has a couple or has a game and a little bit of experience here on his resume now where at least there's the, you know what, maybe he can play. There is that storyline out there. You know what? Maybe, maybe he can play. And if he has another good training camp, if he has another really good preseason and puts some really good film on tape, maybe if Zach Wilson goes down for another stretch next year and Mike White comes in and plays some good football, this could absolutely be a situation where the Jets can possibly flip him for something. It's not going to happen this year. It's not going to happen this offseason. But now at least we went from a player that we did not believe, and I know people have tweeted it to me because they went in, they dug into the archives of can't wait to find me basically saying Mike White sucks from August. Um, you went from a guy that really not I think even you said it Jets. all last year too. To be, yeah, to be honest, they they time. had plenty of areas to find. I mean, look, I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> look, I'm a big guy to to. I, I'm I'm very much in the defending myself category here, and I'm all about like not taking blame. So I'm gonna say like I reached out to a couple people in the Jets front office after that first Mike White game and was literally told. That if anyone in this organization told you they saw this coming, they were lying through their teeth. So even the Jets didn't see this coming. The Jets traded a draft pick for Joe Flacco because they anticipated Mike White going 
full explosion and playing awful against the Cincinnati Bengals. And somehow he pulled a 400 yard, three touchdown game out of his, you know, where, and then they stuck with him. And suddenly it was like, Oh my God, do we, did we randomly find like, did we strike lightning in a bottle here? Did we finally get like the, 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 we kissed the toad and it became this beautiful princess. Like what the hell happened here? I mean, the jets didn't know this. I didn't know this. No one knew this. It's why they traded for Flacco. But the fact that this film is at least now some way, shape or form out there. The fact that this film is there. It's something to build on. And you've seen guys like Matt Flynn in the past. Now, he obviously went into free agency and then was paid by the Seahawks, eventually lost his job to to Russell Wilson. But, you know, somebody who had a couple good games and then got paid off of it. You know, the Philadelphia Eagles used to flip guys for draft picks all the time. The uh, The New England Patriots did it with Jimmy Garoppolo, where they traded him to the San Francisco 49ers. Now, obviously, Jimmy had a stretch of like four or five games where he played really good football was a little bit, you know, there's more hype around him. He was a higher draft pick, things like that. Learned behind Tom Brady. There was that aura and that mystique as well. But now you have at least someone that you can feel confident in coming in if something happens to Zach Wilson. It's not breaking the bank. He's still only 26 years old, and you have game film where he's looked good, where if the Jets continue to develop him, he puts some good film on the fi- on, on tape in the, in the summer next year and in preseason next year and maybe gets a chance to play in the regular season the next year or so that you could potentially flip him for something. Maybe it's a third, maybe it's a fourth. You could you could get some draft capital, I think, for Mike White because, look, he didn't do this in Cincinnati. He didn't do this playing for the Cleveland Browns, no offense. He didn't do this playing for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, he did this in Manhattan. He did this in New York. He did this where overnight heroes are born and people crave this kind of attention. So, I mean, there's going to be an aura and a mystique around him for for the next little bit. And maybe if he can build on it, the Jets can be able to benefit from this as well and, and flip him for some kind of pick. All right, we're going to take a break. We still have a lot to get to. We're going to talk about Rex Ryan, his comments, Robert Sala's response to that. We're going to talk about the defense, which is another problem entirely, and a little more Zach Wilson as well. But we'll be back. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I see Michael Dunn in the chat saying, talking about his jersey that we saw on Twitter, by the way, number 27, Dunn jersey. We got to get the can't wait jerseys out there so that instead of wearing these, you know, Jets uniforms that people don't want to wear, they can wear our T-shirts, our gear. We're working on it. We'll get there eventually. Um, all right. Back. I thought you were going to jump in with something there, Connor. I'm talking about swag and you're like, I he was, was commenting well, in the chat about no, a video game. That's that was a long No, no, that's not true. I heard every word that you said. Um, all right. So I want to talk more about. More about uh, Zach Wilson and, you know, what we can expect, what what we hope he learned. But before that, Joe Flacco, we just did over-unders last week, and we set Joe Flacco over-under half a touchdown pass right, the rest of one. the season. Did we all take And unders? he threw one. We all took the under. Oh, it took right. one game. Joe Flacco hits the over. So congratulations, well Joe. Picks. That was your contribution to destroying our... Yeah, luckily we didn't have anything actually riding on that. Uh, but way, anyways... Michael. Real quick, sorry, Tim, not to yeah. interrupt you, even though I do it all the time. Uh, if Michael wants to never talk to me again for that Browns loss to New England, it's 100% because I put a bet in on the Browns like 
five minutes before the game started. You I told you, I've, I've, I've bet whenever I bet the Browns, I'm on the wrong side of it. And I bet for the Browns, I bet against the Browns. And it all started. I was money. I, I had that team figured out until Marissa talked me out of the Cardinal game. And ever since that one, when I when I cashed out my bet and replaced it the other way, I've never bet the Browns right. And I feel like I bet them every week. So tell Michael, I'm, I, tell Michael I am sorry, but really it's also all your fault. So. Unacceptable all right. So runner. you should always be rooting for them. I am always. Michael, I'm never well, yeah, not we're rooting always, for that. It's just what do I think's gonna happen? Okay. I bet with I bet with my brain, not my heart. Okay. Well, that's not really what I learned this lately, week so. was that not not to digress a little more than we already are, <laughs> but what I learned this week is that Michael Dunn grew up a Patriots fan, and that this yes. week was actually a really cool thing. Mm-hmm. Even though I mean, it wasn't really cool that that they lost the way yeah. they did, but he got to play at Gillette, which was the, yes. the stadium that he, he kind of grew yeah, up. Yeah. So. I got to visit my cousin there, so that was a big reason of going. But also, this was Michael's like dream as a kid. He grew up a diehard Patriots fan. Um, his bar mitzvah theme was Patriots. Like he went to the Super Bowl that they lost to one of the Super Bowls that they lost to the Giants, which is pretty great because I grew up a Giants fan. Oh, I guess the chat is gonna know that now. Oh, <laughs> now you just whole, made a big mistake. Whole, no, yeah, Uh-oh. now I'm a full Browns fan. So. Um, Anyway, but um, yeah, so he grew up a huge Patriots fan and everyone has, you know, known Michael's journey at this point and there's been lots of ups and downs. So, you know, getting to play in the stadium that you like grew up going to as a fan and idolizing and his dad's from Connecticut. To see if this is reaching no, he's not in here. He's oh. probably watching in the other room. He is. Yeah, I saw him comment in here. You oh, he did. He, he, forgi- he forgave me for totally ruining the Browns chances of winning that game. Yeah, so... um. Yeah, it was very cool and one of those, you know, like never give up on your dreams moments. So, did you cry um, when he took yeah, the cries. I, I feel like Marissa cries every Sunday. Yeah, I'm like. Or she cried when emotion. she saw Ailey a couple of minutes ago. I'm a pretty emotional <laughs> person, so um, yeah, I struggle with that. But uh, yeah, it was very cool, like um, seeing him first come out of the tunnel for warmups and uh, you know getting his uh, snaps in to warm up and running around the field and. Um, it was very cool. So it was, um, his dad was there, which was like, his dad is the reason he is, he grew up a Patriots fan. So, um, obviously he's no longer a Patriots fan, but, um, yeah, so it was a very, very cool moment. Uh, the game was not as cool, but, uh, next week on to the Lions. He plays, he plays special teams, right? Yes. Michael, you get it. Yes. Yes. He (laughs) goes in on field goal and, uh, extra points. They got to start. Um, All right. We got a yeah. comment that says we Jets fans cry at Gillette too. Understandable, <laughs> yeah. Dan. Yeah. All so. right. Back to these <laughs> these Jets um, and and what we can expect here. Because So now it's Zach Wilson. Again, you said, Connor, chances are he's ready to play. Um, he could have played last week if different circumstances. Um, so now we've seen or he's seen this offense run well, although it wasn't the latest game, but he's seen the way it can click when it's clicking. Uh, we, he's talked about how he can learn from watching. So now we get to find out, right, if if he did learn from watching and he gets, like you said, a good run-up of games to do it. So as we get into these games, what you know, what are we looking for early on? Is it just him taking what's there and not taking as many chances. Is that the first sign that like something is a little bit different now with Zach Wilson? First time he completes a check down pass on like first or second down to Mike right. Carter is a sign that maybe he's changed a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, I think what you get with Zach in there that you don't get with Mike White is you do get the game changing ability because Zach has that in his back pocket to go 
Rambo in a way where the play breaks down and he runs left, he runs right, he twists around and then flicks his wrist and the ball is 60 yards down the field the other way into Corey Davis's hands for a touchdown. You know, he has the ability to do things that very few quarterbacks in the NFL have the ability to do. I mean, he is just that physically gifted. You know, he was tapped twice on the hand with the talent wand when God was making him up top. You know, that's just this is how things work with Zach. But in the NFL, you're playing with a lot of players that were tapped once or twice on the head by the talent wand, you know, and and so the things that you got away with in high school, the things that you got away with in college, the way that you played, it doesn't work. And we've talked about this on the podcast a lot, that what he needed to, what the Jets have been trying to instill in him dating back to OTAs is to play within the structure of the offense and pull that magic out as like a last resort. You can't live by the magic. You just want to have it as one of the one of the area one of the things in your repertoire, one of the pitches in your in your rotation. You know, that that you just want to you want to have the ability to do it, but not do it every time. But when Zach has played one style of football his entire life, it's very hard to just say, okay, now I'm going to do something differently. So I think, and we we said this too that like I think honestly, what hurt him the most early in this season was the fact that the one game where he had legitimate success, the one game where he won Rookie of the Week, the one where he was like, oh, wow, Zach's turned a corner, he did it playing Hero Ball. So it didn't matter that he had five starts where Hero Ball didn't work. It was the one that it did where he's like, well, this is what worked before. This is what worked for my one win. I'm going to stick doing this. But I think by him sitting back and him taking a step aside and seeing Josh Johnson throw for 303 touchdowns, seeing Mike White throw for 403 uh, three touchdowns in the game that he he beat the Bengals on. It was like the the it was seeing, you know, it's the old seeing is believing. It really was that. It was that he now saw it. He believed it. He saw the way that this offense is supposed to run and the success that comes from this offense when it's run that specific and that type of way. And now it's just a matter of can he go out and do it? When he's dropping back to pass, when he's faced with the rush, when is and it's third and 12, is he going to be able to say, don't run around, don't hold the ball a little extra longer, my first and second read aren't there, just get it to Carter, five yards, punt the ball, and we're done. Is he going to be able to do that? I mean, there was a third and 17 play where Mike White against the Bills dumped it off. I think it was to Ty Johnson or Mike Carter. He gained like four yards and the Jets punted. If that's Zach Wilson... A month ago, he's holding that ball, holding that ball, and trying to stretch it down the field. And he's either getting sacked, he's either getting clobbered, or he's either throwing a pick. And I think that him stepping aside, and I think that him watching these two guys and Josh Johnson and Mike White have success in his offense, doing what the coaches have said, I think it should help him. Now, obviously, it's a matter of we got to see it. But these, these final few games, these final two months of this year, it's back to what we were saying this whole season was always really about. The Jets were never competing for a divisional title. The Jets were never going to go to the playoffs. The Jets were never going to make an unlikely run to the Super Bowl. That's They don't have the talent on the roster to do those things. This year was all about developing as a team, competing week in and week out, and getting Zach Wilson to a point where you head into year two believing you have a franchise quarterback, and then in year two he can reach that franchise quarterback potential. Now you can get back to doing it. And I think it's pretty clear that Zach wasn't ready to play early on. I think that's pretty obvious now. Oh, yeah. But after sitting and watching, I think he's kind of at least been given a crash course on how this offense should run, and now he can go out there and and hopefully do it. And will he? I don't know. I mean, because, like, again, Tim, like, we say, like, yeah, he, he's finally seen it this way, and he's finally learned it this way, and, and now 
he can come out and 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 play hard and play well and and he's going to do everything that Mike White did but with so much more talent so it's going to work. We can say that, but will it actually happen? Because again, he's played one style of football his entire career. And I've seen Zach Wilson throw. I mean, this guy has more arm talent than any quarterback I have ever covered in my entire life. He does things and I've seen him do things in practice that I just did not know quarterbacks could do that were not last in Mahomes or Rodgers. Period. But he needs to be able to do everything else that Mahomes and Rodgers do. He needs to be able to do every all the little small things that don't get the highlights, the things that don't get the attention, the things that like these quarterbacks do, they're just the five-yard passes or the slants, those little things. He needs to do those well before he brings out that magic because you can't live and die with the magic. You can't. And he tried to do it for six of his starts, and he went one and five as a starter as a result. So now he's had a chance to sit. Now he's had a chance to watch. Now it's about finding out, okay, did he learn anything? And I think we're going to start to learn it this week against Miami. We'll learn it more against Houston. We'll learn it when they play the Saints and the Eagles and all these other teams rolling on. But honestly, I think maybe the biggest benefit in Zach Wilson's corner or the biggest thing acting with him and the biggest, uh, the most valuable tool, I guess, that you could say is the fact that this jet schedule does get a lot easier from here on out. So he's not facing the Bills anymore. He's not going to face the Colts. He's not going to face the Patriots. I mean, he's not going to face any of these really, really good teams. So he's going to have a chance maybe to to learn on some other teams that aren't as good, and I think that could really be beneficial to him. As if enough people weren't piling on this Jets team, Rex Ryan has jumped into the fray. We're going to talk about that and more after this quick break. Uh, so Rex Ryan came out, and as if enough people weren't uh, being mean to the Jets, he jumps in, goes directly after Robert Sala. This guy is supposed to be a defensive guru. I take it personal. Everything I heard was this guy is a lot like myself, but without the bad part. Some of the bad part you need because this team doesn't want to play with any damn heart. That's the thing that is disappointing to me. Don't ever compare this Robert Sala guy to me. Statistically, one time they were a top defense at San Francisco 49ers. Four out of the five times they were dead last in their division. And he goes on from there. But after that, now this is the part that I, I actually credit to Robert Sala for actually coming back at him a little bit. I've never met Rex. I've never had a conversation with Rex. This was on the Michael K show. I don't even know him except for people who know him through the league. Obviously, if it's that personal for him, he knows where to find me. Connor, this is all we need. It was, it was past Jets head coaches coming after the current head coach. I mean, Rex Ryan never attacked Gase, I don't think, right? Oh, everyone else did it for him. Like, he didn't have to. I'd be, I'd be piling on. I mean, I don't. I think that would be just like kicking the man while he's down. But look, this is. I think Rex did take some. Rex took. Rex got annoyed when everyone kept saying how Robert Sala reminds them of Rex, and Robert Sala has Rex like bravado. It's just it's Rex minus all the bad parts. Like like Rex said, he got pissed off by that. So now when he's looking at this and he sees Robert Sala struggling, he sees the defense struggling. He wants to be relevant. He wants to make headlines. He wants to see his name in the news because that, I think, got Rex off more than anything else was being able to see his headline and make headlines and be talked about. He loved that stuff. He loved being the one that everyone talked about. He loved being the one that everyone, anytime his name was in someone's mouth, he loved it and he relished it. It was the attention. He was an attention whore and it was what he loved. And so he's no longer the head coach. He's no longer the defensive coordinator. He's no longer in the news unless he puts himself in the news. So what he saw was an opportunity to go back at the team that he used to coach, go back at the ex-girlfriend. And he saw Salah as the opportunity to do that. And what I don't know 
is that if he expected Salah to fire back like he did, because look, I'll I'll give you credit. Salah took the high road. Like I think he did. He he defended himself, but he were actually what Salah said reminded me of when Eli Manning stood up when Tiki Barber said when he tried to be a leader, it was comical. And Eli took back, he defended himself, he stood up for himself, he threw a couple zingers in there, but he didn't do it in a way that degraded Tiki Barber. Robert Sala easily could have made foot jokes. Sala easily could have made fat jokes. He there had his so brother do that instead. He did, Yeah, I, I can <laughs> promise you that when, when Sala sees that, he is not going to be very, very happy. Like, that's going to piss Sala off a little bit because he's not one that's like You want to read what his brother said? Uh, yeah. You, you have it up? I don't have it up if you want to read it. All right, we'll pull it up. We'll pull it up. But you can continue. Before we get to that is that, I mean, Sala, I think, took the high road enough where he – fired back he defended himself but he didn't do it in a way that was annoying and he didn't do it in a way that was uncalled for he didn't hit below the belt if anything he just threw a couple jabs and then one last shot at the face that's what he did and and look good for him good for him for standing up for himself I mean he's got enough problems to deal with with his defense right now that he doesn't have to deal with Rex Ryan and I think what's a little annoying is that like I've confirmed like Rex and Rex and Sala don't know each other they don't like Salah doesn't know him like they've never met before. They've never talked to each other before. So you're throwing shots and haymakers and another coach. And this is like Rex tried to get back into the NFL like two years ago. Like, I can't remember what combine I was at, but it was like the entire talk of the combine that Rex was getting back in the coaching that he was already contacting people for his staff and he was going to get back in as a defensive coordinator. Someone like he was going to do it. I don't even think he got an interview. Like, he's a joke. Like, no one takes him or his brother seriously. And so for him to try to start throwing these shots these like, uh, uh, I never want to be considered with, I don't never put my name in, in uh, with Sala again. Like, dude, the guy's like eight games into his coaching career and you're taking that. Hey, mate, like, it's just, it's just, I mean, like, I honestly, like, I remember when Sala was, when he hired his brother as defensive coordinator and like, they're taking pictures for the Buffalo media, riding the bicycle together. Like, that's embarrassing. That's a lot more embarrassing than your defense allowing 45 points in back-to-back -back weeks that you and your brother are riding a bicycle together for a good headline. Like, that's just, you're, you're trying to be like, I just, I can't, I can't keep going. But yeah, read read what uh, Salah's brother said if you have it up. David Salah tweeted, Rex Ryan took over a good Mangini roster, won with it the first two years and lost with his own roster every year after the only person making comparisons is you in an effort to stay relevant, stick to podiatry and eating cheeseburgers, clown. Yeah, yeah, it's it's true. I mean, like, look, what I've said and what I'll continue to say is that Rex, there's like two kinds of people in this world. And this is honestly, this is this is truthfully how I feel. And I work in it, I work in an industry where sourcing is very big. And to source, and and there there are people that source in very different ways, and there are people that are like they butter up to you, like you know, if I'm a reporter, like right, like I butter up to people, I butter up to agents, I butter up to coaches, I butter up to players, and you butter up to them, and you flirt with them basically in hopes that they give you information, you know, like it's not like you're you're flirting with somebody in hopes that they'll be your girlfriend, you're flirting with them that they'll be your friend and be your source and they'll tell you information. I've never been good at that because I, I don't have a poker face. I don't. So I'm me. Like, this is me. And the way that I get sources in this business is not by buttering people up. I'm just, I'm me. I'm Connor. And if I and this person get along, then that guy's a quote unquote source. But he's really just a friend. And then we just talk about other things in life. And occasionally, if I have a question about football or what I do for work, I ask them. And we talk about it because we're friends. And that's how I work. It's more of a relationship 
than it is like buttering up. Because of that, when you take that kind of a stance, you meet people in this field that are very authentic and genuine and take it that way. And then there's also people, and I've dealt with tons of agents that are like this. I've dealt with tons of players that are like this. I've dealt with tons of coaches that are like this that are not genuine and they're not authentic. And they talk to you because they want to try to dictate your coverage, or they talk to you because they want to try to get you to write certain things, or they get, or they talk to you because they want their name to be written in a certain way to be highlighted and and on the neon signs. Everyone ripped Adam Gase apart 10 ways to Sunday because they thought that's who he was. They thought that he was the guy that was going to just try to butter up the media to get preferential coverage. And that wasn't the truth. Adam was a very authentic and genuine person. I I truly felt that. Every time I talked to him on or off the record, I felt that Adam was genuine and authentic. He would tell me the truth. He didn't talk to me because he wanted to change the coverage. We talked about things in life. We talked about things in relationships. We talked about things in families. We never talked just because I was a reporter and he was a coach. And if he told me something, I would write nice about him. That was never how my relationship with Adam was because I would I would write searing things about him and the same searing things I would write about him, I would say to his face. Like, that's just how it worked. With Rex, he's always been the person that to me never talked to you and never said things because that's actually how he feels. He was the person that talked and said things because he thought that's what people wanted to hear. And he was the person that talked and said things because he felt that that's what was going to get the headline. And that's what was going to put him in the spotlight. And that was going to get that light shining on him for as long as it could shine on him. And for him to take this shot at Salah when he's clearly overseeing a young rebuilding team, He's clearly got his hands, basically both hands tied behind his back when you consider this defense was already beat up and probably a little below average from a talent perspective. But now they're also dealing with a rash of injuries where May is gone and Davis just stinks. And then you're dealing with these injuries and these injuries and the corners are down and the defensive linemen are down. I mean, he's trying to make this work when clearly he doesn't necessarily have the talent and players to make it work. And for you to drop those lines like, Oh, if eh, never compare me to him again. Maybe he should be more like me. If Rex Ryan oversaw this defense, they'd allow 60 a game. Period. I mean, look at what the Bill that Bill look at the final two years he was the Bills head coach. That defense was loaded. And what did they do? Like, for Rex to act like he's some kind of brilliant genius, man, this dude tried to get a head coach, uh, a head coaching or defensive coordinator job two years ago, and he was laughed out of every interview he was in. Like, what are you doing? Like, just stay out of it. So for him to take these shots, I think they're, he's, he hit below the belt. And I give Sala a ton of credit because he fired back and he defended himself, but he did it appropriately. He did. And he, he stood up for himself, but he did it appropriately. He's saying, if you know where I am, and it's true. If, if Rex feels this strongly about him, you know where he is. He works at the same place you got your ass fired from. So go talk to him. Like that, it's just. It's I, to me, it was pathetic. I felt I found it pathetic. I really did. It was it was just uncalled for and pathetic. Got to get those clicks, though. Uh, yeah. The, yeah, it's really that's what about it is. right. As far as the defense goes, though, they are bad. It is a bad defense. It looked bad on Sunday. Uh, Josh Allen tearing apart through the air. Twenty one to twenty eight, three thirty six, couple of touchdowns, a pick. The running backs got everything they wanted. And the thing about that is this Bills team has not been able to run the ball against anybody. And it was easy against the Jets. Connie, you you did the math in your story. I appreciate that. I was about to do oh, the yeah. math and, and I read your story and saw it. 175 points in four games, 1,890 yards. That's 472 yards per game. And the thing that was has become clear is that no matter what the Jets do to adjust, there's seems like 
an easy change that offenses can kind of jump into to just continue to move the ball. Like the the Jets just there's no strong portion of this defense that they can rely on. Every time they kind of plug one hole in the dam, it allows a giant hole to open up somewhere else. Yeah, look, I I I've talked about this and and some fans very strongly disagree with me and and they are. Look, I mean, you can make the argument that Ulbrich and Salah, Salah's a defensive-minded head coach, and Ulbrich obviously is their defensive coordinator, came very highly touted. People aren't like disagreed with this. He came very highly touted. Like he was a very well-respected player. He was a well-respected coach, and he was considered an up-and-coming defensive coordinator. And the same people that are trashing him and burying him right now are the same ones that were like, oh, he he might be a head coach soon if the Jets defense keeps playing like they are after the first couple weeks of the season. You can say that like they should be getting more out of these players. You can say that like oh they still shouldn't be allowing this and they shouldn't be allowing that. And and I take that stance sometimes and I feel that way sometimes. But then I look at who's on the field. And you have players starting and players playing that if you told me in August that this would be the two that Ashton Davis and Wilson would be the Jets two starting safeties, I would have laughed your head off. Like, if you would have told me Delshawn Phillips would be playing significant minutes at linebacker, like, I'd laugh your head out. Like, these are, like, this defense was already undermanned and probably a little below average to start the year. And then when you take into consideration the number of players that have gone hurt and gone down, the Jets, in my opinion, the coaching staff, Salah Ulbrich, they're doing everything that they can, right? The first month of the season, the defense was able to have success because they were able to get an immense amount of pressure with their defensive line. Quinn and Williams, Huff, uh, John Franklin Myers, quarterbacks wanted to take advantage of the Jets secondary. They held the ball long enough for their receivers to get down the field, but for them to hold the ball, it allowed the defense to get home and they hit the quarterbacks and they sacked the quarterbacks. Ever since that 14 hit seven sack outing against the Titans, Ulbrich told us this and he was very open and honest. And I appreciate his, his willingness to talk this openly about it. He came out and told us this week that ever since that game, offenses changed the way they play the Jets. And they changed the way they play the Jets because now they are keeping extra guys in the block. They are making a concerted effort to get rid of the ball quicker. And they are working in an abundance of screens. When they want to stretch the field and they want to get guys to the second level and they want to take their shots, that's when they keep the tight end and the running back or extra players in the block. They basically, they've taken the Jets' strength, the one strength of their defense, the one area that you could honestly say, you know what, that's pretty good, and they've mitigated it. They've taken it and they said, we're not going to let the defensive line beat us. Someone else has to. So the Jets now have to counter that. The way that they counter that is by, one, blitzing, so that when the quarterbacks try those quick passes, you get home before the ball can get out, and you can bring guys on the left. You act like you're coming to the left. You can right. You bring unorthodox blitzes. And then the other way that they do it is that when – the opposing team plays bl- plays blocking. Like, they keep the extra guy in to protect. The Jets play pass. They don't bring the blitz. They just drop their guys back in coverage. You saw the Jets do that against the Bills, but I think you saw the talent discrepancy made that irrelevant too because when the Jets blitz, when the Jets try to get after Josh Allen, when you blitz people, you leave one-on-one outside. When you leave one-on-one outside, Josh Allen was just chucking these up balls up. And Stephon Diggs was coming down with it. Sanders was coming down with it. Gabriel Davis was coming down with it. Like, what are you supposed to do? So now you're blitzing, right? Then you drop back and you play coverage. Well, because you're dropping back and playing coverage, the Bills are not keeping extra guys in to block. Josh Allen's just sitting there waiting. He's got all day to throw in the pocket. Eventually, someone's going to get open because no one can cover guys in the NFL three, four seconds. So now he's just waiting. Like, what the Jets are trying to do 
is now not working. And I think ultimately what this comes down to is what we've said over and over and over on this show. It's a talent issue with the Jets right now. What Mike McCagnan did to this roster during his five offseason run as general manager is still having repercussions. Joe Douglas has not been perfect in any way, shape, or form. But even if he did draft every perfect player in, in, in the draft, and even if he signed every perfect player in free agency, it was still always going to be more than a two-off-season fix. He's only had one draft and one free agency in 2020 and one draft and free agency in 2020 to turn this Jets team around. And he made mistakes in 2019, and he made some mistakes in 2020. He didn't have the perfect offseason, so it was always going to take time. But the one thing that Douglas did in 2020 and the one thing he did in 2021 was he put a bigger emphasis on offense, which is what every Jet fan, every reporter, and every analyst said the Jets needed to do. He emphasized the offense in 20, and he emphasized the offense in 21. And you see a much more talented offense this year than you had in past years. The receivers the Jets have now are better than anyone they've had since 2015. The running back stable they have now is talented. The offensive line is getting there. You have to, you can't, you can't deny the offensive line has their issues. Greg Van Roten's a freaking disaster. But uh, other than that, there are legitimate talent on the offensive line where they're coming along. But the resources and the means that the Jets put into fixing or at least improving their offense were resources and means that they could not put into their defense. And unfortunately, what you have now is a better offense and a defense that is suffering. Because the Jets, when healthy, were only probably okay on defense, and now they were blasted by injuries. And so now you have a, a defense that, aside from Quinton Williams, John Franklin Myers, and C.J. Mosley, I don't think another player on that defense starts for another contending team elsewhere. And I said that last week. I said it a couple times last week, and I'm saying it again now. So there's only so much you can do on defense, and I don't see the fix. Because what the Jets saw as the fix is, okay, we'll bring pressure to try to take away the quick passes, and when they play protection, we'll play coverage. That doesn't work either because, again, everyone's ripping. Why is Stephon Diggs in one-on-one? Why is this guy in one? How are they playing one-on-one coverage outside? I don't see that as a problem. They're not in one-on-one coverage because they want to be. They're in one-on-one coverage because they're blitzing to try to get home because they realize if they don't blitz, they're not going to get home, and then it doesn't matter if they're not in one-on-one coverage because eventually the guys will just get open. So for me, I don't see this defense as a coaching problem. I don't see it as a scheming problem. I see it as a legitimate talent problem that this was always going to be a little bit longer. And if you want to rip Douglas because his 2020 draft hasn't produced, if you want to rip Douglas because he wasn't more aggressive and potentially going out there and shining Griffin in free agency or Dory Jackson in free agency, absolutely, I, I can go in on that. But right now, I see this as a legitimate talent problem on defense. And it's a talent problem on defense that is amplified by the number of injuries the Jets have had on defense. One argument, though, against that, and you can shoot holes in this if you want, Connor, is that it's basically the same defense that they had a year ago. And while it wasn't good a year ago, it wasn't this bad, right? Um, No. I know it's a I'm, different scheme and the players don't fit the, the scheme maybe worse. as well. But the secondary is worse. The, the, the secondary is significantly worse. Uh, I don't, again, this is where I said, like, Joe Douglas, no way, shape, or form has Joe Douglas been perfect. Like, he did not have a perfect offseason in 2020. He did not have a perfect offseason in 2021. Like, that's, he did not. He did not have a perfect offseason. But, like, Jared Davis, for example. Like, I mean, he prioritized signing Jared Davis. And I've seen Jared Davis play, and I'm like, why did you do that? Like, I, I don't, like, there are things like there where I'm like, why... 
I I think they should have been more aggressive in going out there and signing signing Shaq Griffin from the Seahawks. Like I thought they should have been more aggressive in that. I think they should have been more aggressive in various different areas. They should have done more. Look, Hassan Reddick has what is it like seven and a half, eight and a half sacks right now for for the Cardinals. He's not like a one year five million dollar deal. Like why didn't the Jets go out there and offer him something more? Like why would you avoid that? Like that's that's where I'm. That's where I'm. Like they were again. It was not perfect, but. The team that the Jets took into the offseason, like they were like, again, dude, you got Ashton Davis is like your best safety right now. Ashton Davis is a bad football player. Like you got like Delshawn Phillips is starting at linebacker. Like he's a bad football player. You know what I mean? Like you had Hamilcar Rashid playing like severe minutes on the defensive line. Like the guy should be on a practice squad. Like it's just there's there's a severe talent problem on defense. A severe, severe talent problem on defense. It was already not going to be that great of a unit to begin with, and then they got hit with these rash of injuries. That it's like, what else are you supposed to do? Like, I honestly don't. I honestly don't know. I, I really don't. And it's unfortunately, and it's, it's the way that I would compare. I was talking to somebody uh, about this last night because you know we were, we were talking about like the defense and what you can do on defense. As one, one of the people over there with the Jets, and I said, I was like, I'm gonna be honest with you, like. If this was a mad, I'm not a coach, like no shit. Like I've said that over and over again. I'm not a GM. I'm not a scout. I'm not, I'm not that kind of, a, I'm not that, you know, my playing football career most recently was flag football. We went to the playoffs twice, but like, I'm not, we're not going to go back to those, those uh, glory days or relive those glory days. But if this was like my Madden franchise and I was faced with the current predicament, like if I started a Madden franchise with the Jets and had the current like real life rosters where they are right now, this is the one where like, I'm not playing the Dolphins game. I'm not playing the Texans game. I'm simming to the end of the season. I'm getting my injured guys back and I'm going into free agency in the draft, infusing my team with talent and then I'll play next year. Like that's what it is. But there is no play next year for the Jets. Like they need another off season to infuse more talent on offense, get Zach Wilson his development, infuse this defense, basically remake this defense where they need another four or five starters, get Lawson back, get some of these guys back, get May back, or if not May, replace him with an actual starter, get Joyner back. Like that's what you wanted. And unfortunately, the only thing you can do there is time. And you can't just make, you can't just fast forward. Like, you can't do that. So I think the biggest issue with the Jets' defense right now is they need different players. They need more players. And you're not getting more players until free agency or the draft. And so you're just going to have to deal with what you have right now. And dealing with what you have right now, it's, it's, I don't know how you get better. I don't think that the best defensive minds in the NFL can make this defense better because you're playing with talent that's not that good. Like, you're just not. I mean, Bryce Hall is a starter. Javelin Guidry is a starter right now. Phillips is a starter. Someone named Wilson, who, honestly, I forgot was on the roster. I didn't know he was on the roster, is starting. Niesman is, like, the next man up. Like, it's bad. And, unfortunately, it's bad because of injuries, but it's also bad because of the years of Mike McCagnon's ineptitude and, and some of the swing. Basically, Joe Douglas could, if the Jets wanted to be a borderline playoff team this year. Joe Douglas could not miss with any of his free agent signings or any of his draft picks. And he missed on free agent signings like Greg Van Roten. He missed on draft picks like P. Ryan and James Morgan and Ashton Davis. He needed to hit a home run and then maybe the Jets would be in a position where they could compete for a wild card spot this year. That was never going to happen because no one's perfect. I mean, a third, like if you hit it a thirty, like a thirty or forty percent clip in the draft, you're a genius. So it's always going to take another offseason. And unfortunately, what you're seeing now 
is the repercussions of a general manager that said, we're going to invest the majority of our resources on the offense, and then we'll deal with the defense this offseason. Unfortunately, when you take that route, and then that defense is also hit with injuries, you get the results of what you have right now. And we will see if the just bloodbath continues, 45 points per game the rest of the way, or if they can find some way to stem the tide. They're not going to play the Buffalo Bills every week. That should certainly help things out, right? That's going to do it for this edition of the show. We're going to be back with you later in the week to get you ready for next week's game against the Dolphins. Uh, you can save 33% off a subscription to The Athletic right now. Read all Connor's stuff, all of our NFL writers, all of our other sport writers, Premier League, the best sports writing anywhere. It's happening at The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com slash can't wait. We'll be back later in the week. We can't wait. <laughs>